You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is the APC podcast once again from Acme Packing Company.com and SB Nation. Talking Green Bay Packers all day, every day, and occasionally, usually once a week, recording it for posterity's sake and publishing it on the internet at the APC pod on Twitter. I am Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter, dialing it in from a uh, very, very warm Albuquerque, New Mexico, 59 degrees today. Not to brag, but I'll brag a little bit. The Green Bay Packers. Meanwhile, leaving a snowy, cold, I'm assuming somewhat miserable uh, New York weather situation with a win 31-13 to over the Giants at MetLife Stadium. Our own Alex Patakis was there, boots on the ground. However, he is not here, so he can't give us the, uh, the, the real-time report. Instead, it's just me and someone else who watched the game on TV like a normal American schlub. It's Ben Foldy. How you doing, man? You know, hanging in there. You're not offended that I called you a normal American schlub? No, I don't think that's correct. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, not that not that I have anything against normal American schlubs, but not. I mean, you know, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I don't know either. Just you and me. We're going to try to get through this thing. We can do it. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, leave us a review if you like the show like uh, Mike did in St. Louis. Left us a, a very favorable review where he he called us the, uh, he said, this podcast is the nope nug of my heart. I really appreciate um, that that brand has really, has really taken off. He also says, thanks to this podcast, I'm serving some borscht at a Packers bonfire backyard birthday party I'm having this weekend. So that's the real that's like that's the difference I make in the world. Ben, making a difference. You uh, speaking of making a difference, no borscht talk today. But uh, before we hit record, you were eating a dish that, if I heard you correctly, is called fool. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, depending on how you pronounce it, but yeah, I, I pronounce it fool. F O U L. Let's uh, let's just for thirty seconds hop onto uh, Ben's international cuisine corner. What is that? <laughs> Well, uh, well, so there's 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 two styles of fool. I'm eating the Yemeni version, which is kind of like a, a chickpea curry or uh, chili rather. Like it's it's kind of I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Know. I, I think te- technically it might even traditionally be a breakfast food, but uh, it's yeah, it's just like a nice kind of seasoned chili of uh, chickpeas. And then the Egyptian version is more like. Uh, it's not all mashed up and, and reduced in the same way. It's kind of, anyway, <laughs> but it's very good. I, I recommend, uh, you could stretch it out too. Like I get, I get it for like six bucks. It's a big plate and I can, I can turn that into like two or three meals depending on how, uh, poor I'm feeling. <laughs> how 
for your feeling. Speaking of mashed up and reduced, the uh, the Giants were mashed up and reduced, scoring only 13 points at home uh, against the Packers. Again, 31 to 13 was the final score. Uh, we're going to do some some note nugs now, some notable nuggets. Hashtag note nugs. You can tweet at us after every game. Let us know your little bite-sized takeaway from the game. And uh, I am going to get us started here. And, and Ben, you know, you, me, and Alex were texting during the game. And as I recall, I was um, pretty pessimistic uh, compared to, you know, how well the game was going in terms of they were winning. They were clearly going to win. And I, I remember being a little bit surly. I've since gotten a few nights sleep. I've reflected. Um, and uh, I, I feel much, much, much better. I'm going to blame uh, outside factors on that. But um, nonetheless, my note nug is a long setup. But nonetheless, it's not totally positive. But uh, I'm going to screw up, I think, the attribution uh, as I often do, but I'm pretty sure it was Bill Parcells who said uh, something like the week around Thanksgiving is really when the season begins. Um, someone please correct me if I got if I got that wrong, if it's not Bill Parcells. But anyway, the point is this, you know, end of November, into December, teams, they are who they are going to be for the rest of the year. They've largely sort of rounded into shape. Either there's cracks that have shown or conversely, you know, mistakes have been corrected. Now on to the Packers, who a week after getting squashed by the Niners on the road, uh, go into a snowy MetLife stadium and execute a pretty convincing get-right game. But after that, and after all these weeks of recapping Packers games as we've done on the podcast, I, I still am not sure that I understand what the Packers' identity is on offense. So, um, So to the point of you know, teams are who they are at this point in the season. I'm sort of left wondering who are the Packers, you know, like Aaron Rodgers has talked a lot about how they had to have, they've had to win in a number of different ways throughout the season. And, and that's cool, but it also leaves me wondering like where, where are the bread and butter plays? What are those plays? What is the one or two things that this offense does really well against almost anyone? I just, I legitimately don't know. So I guess my nugget coming out of this game, and again, this is like a broad brush kind of thing, was I was happy for the win, obviously. I enjoyed the win. Um, but when I think critically about why I'm left a little wanting after this win, it's because I'm kind of still confused about who the team is. And I do worry a little bit, especially, again, as we move into December football, and it seems like maybe playoff football, too, um, not having that identity. Maybe that's not something that the team cares about or that ultimately matters, but as a fan, um, it's something that I think about and worry about a little bit. I don't know. Ben, what do you, what do you think of that sentiment? And, and can you, uh, do you have a counterpoint? Is there anything that you think that is a bread and butter kind of play or, or scheme that the Packers do well on offense? Um, I'll take that as a no. <laughs> no, not after. I mean, not after the last game. Yeah. I don't. I don't see like a consistent thread. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know if I if I had to describe the Packers' offense at the moment. I guess I mean play action. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but even that so sometimes mysteriously goes away for some reason. You know. Yeah. I. I think there's. It's been two games. The weird thing about the last game is that. It's a game that, you know, and we knew this, I think, while we were watching it, is that the score sheet wasn't going to quite reflect 
what the actual game felt like yeah. while watching it. And I think one of the things that kind of worked against the Packers is they had a lot of trouble controlling the clock. I don't I mean, I don't know if they wanted to, but let's assume that they wanted to. Like the Giants chewed up a lot a lot of clock. Yeah. And I and and that I think made it somewhat difficult for the offense to seem like it had much consistency. Um even though they ended up, you know, performing well by almost any metric. It was a strange game. And that's I think I think both of us came away from that game feeling like, well, that wasn't a statement win in the way that it seems like it would be on paper. Yeah, I don't want to sound like an entitled fan, but I'm going to sound like an entitled fan here, but you and I talked about this and I and I talked uh, as well with several of the people before this game that I, I figured that they would score 30 points in this game, but I wanted them to score 40 before I would officially sort of quote unquote feel better about uh, the Packers, especially after that, that loss to uh, the 49ers. Um, but when I really, again, you know, back to my note, when I really think critically about it, I, I think what actually, what actually is annoying me and, and we didn't get a chance to talk about the 49ers game. Uh, that was Thanksgiving weekend. We took the week off, but um, I just, as a fan, I really wanted them to at least compete in that game to show that they belonged in the conversation of that very top echelon of NFC teams. And they proved, I think, unequivocally that they do not belong in that tier. They're in the tier just below in the tier that can beat anyone, but they're not in that, you know, elite tier. So it just, I feel like I just feel like that has that has annoyed me to my core, just like that realization about the quality of the team. And that's not to say that they're not good or can't go far in the playoffs, but I think maybe that's sort of what's coloring. I don't know if we're like sort of going inside Zach Rapport's head here right no, now. No, I mean they're they're fine. I mean they're they're good. I I don't think this is a team that necessarily strikes fear in anybody. And I guess this is also one of the places where a relatively weak schedule throughout the season kind of shows up right i don't know even the kansas city win like sure matt moore is fine but you know is this a team that i think can can outgun the seahawks i don't think so it's not to say they can't but i wouldn't like I wouldn't favor them against the Seahawks at the yeah. moment, and I wouldn't favor them against any of the other real competitors in the NFC. I might, I think they're probably a wash with the Vikings. I still think the Vikings are actually probably a better football team, even if I think that Green Bay will finish over them at the moment. I, I think I agree with that. And uh, the other weird thing about this, I mean, it does seem that there's been a real turn in the Mike Pettin love. Oh, we'll get to uh, that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just stuck on Packers Twitter, but so I, I don't totally know what to make of that either. Anyway, so, yeah. I guess, so, I, I think I already kind of touched on my notable nugget, but that was just uh, how, when I stepped back from the game, like, watching it in the immediate form and looked at kind of the, the stats of it, the thing that jumped out to me was really the controlling the, the clock. I don't, I don't quite know what to make of that. And I... I don't feel, I guess, you know, and, and that's just another part of my notable nugget of not feeling as good about that game as I probably should. And I think that's somewhat of a common theme in Packers Twitter, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the way you kind of tied it in with that little Mike Pettin, uh comment, 
a lot of that has to do with, and I tweeted about this, you know, those failures on to get off the field on third down and in a couple cases in this game, fourth down, I, I tweeted out that fourth and five, the coverage on that fourth and five, I'll remember that for the rest of my life because it's indicative of, of so many, of so many instances over the past two years of, of needing to make a stop of a specific amount of yards and having a soft coverage just beyond those yards. And I'm not sophisticated enough to really get into the ins and outs of why you do or don't do that sort of thing. But it just seems to me, to the lay viewer at home, that uh, you might want to play a little bit closer to the first down marker. I don't know. So it's like a number of instances like that that kept the defense on the field and kept Aaron Rodgers off the field. Yeah. Uh, Let's get into some... Listener note nugs again at the APC pod on Twitter. You can tweet at us hashtag note nugs after every game. Let us know what you thought. Note nug coming in from Glenn on Twitter. He writes, finally got the turnovers that we've been waiting for. Hashtag note nug. I think that's definitely a truism about the uh, Mike Patton defense is that turnovers are like you. You're very likely to win the game if you get one or more uh, turnovers with a Mike Pettin defense, and we finally saw that after a little bit of a drought, and uh, that was nice to see. Another note nug coming in from Ryan, who says, play clock at .01. Stop it. Hashtag note nugs. I want to pause on this one for a second, Ben, because uh, I've talked about this a little bit throughout the year, but um, I do feel like as compared to uh, latter years of the Mike McCarthy offense, I do think there is better tempo uh and i do think that they are starting plays for the most part uh more quickly sort of not with three two and one seconds left but i I wanted to bring this one up because i have noticed a an odd i think an odd lack of urgency in certain situations where you'd think they'd be in uh you know like a hurry up offense or a no huddle for example uh, going into halftime just before the half, the Packers get the ball back with, I think, about two minutes left. And it was just the sluggish, slowest, take 40 seconds between every play offense that that they could have possibly mustered. And it didn't go anywhere and it took forever. And I, it's just like maybe I'm too stuck in the uh, in the days of the double up uh, a number of years ago where where they would have. Uh, you know, re- tried really hard to score a touchdown before half and then get the ball back and do it again. But they just seem to not care to try to score any points on that drive. Did you see that any differently? No, I mean, I, I, I think that pace and and clock management has been a bit of a weird thing all season, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah, I agree. Jared Van Dyke tweets in with his note nug. Allison made two clutch catches to extend drives exactly when I was arguing he was worthy of being cut mid-season. Uh, we've chatted a little bit offline, I think, about about Geronimo Allison. I have to admit that I was I was feeling much the same way uh, early in this game, thinking, you know, why is Allison why is he taking snaps from Lazard? It seems like there were some instances where Lazard came off the field, and we don't know everything. Uh, maybe there's a, a health reason, a rest reason, or some kind of coaching reason for that. But Lazard comes out the field, Allison comes in, and there's a clear drop off in their in their skill set. But he did have two clutch catches in this game. That in mind, um, how do you feel about Allison uh, at this point 
so so far this season. Uh, replacement level. Yeah, I agree. That's pretty concise. <laughs> Nothing to write home about. Lazard has a lot more uh, raw talent to work with and and physical attributes and you know even the more kind of he's not kind of just like a a physical freak either i mean he's can adjust to the ball in the air he's got soft hands yeah i don't know i'm i'm a i'm i'm an i'm a lizard stan yeah gavin tweets an alien lizard looking like the real deal use him more hashtag note nugs i'll uh I'll, i'll take the real deal to mean a solid number two wide receiver i mean i think yeah i think that I don't know about the use him more part. Um, I think he's being used just right. I mean, he's not, you don't need to feed him. You don't need to force him. I don't care so much who gets the ball as long as the offense is clicking. But I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Lazard has really stepped up as a, as a perimeter weapon. And, you know, now you want that Randall Cobb got gadget guy. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what you're missing. And I don't, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I don't know who yeah. is this crisp, clean route runner. You know, you want Stefan Diggs or something. I don't know who it is. Yeah. But. And we've heard Matt LaFleur mention a few times when questioned at press conferences about wide receiver usage that he still favors and is going to try to take the approach of really rotating guys in, which, Ben, it sounds like you think that makes sense. I won't argue with you there. But ultimately, you can only rotate in the guys that you have. And if they're not that great or they're not producing, then, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, uh, Equinemius St. Brown would be helpful and I would like to see those reps. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I do think that this this might finally be the year that the, that the Packers spend a little bit of draft capital on a wide receiver. And that's a good year to do it. Um, that said, I think we're also seeing that the Packers might still need to go back to the cornerback well again, 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 because history <laughs> repeats... And that's a bummer. Yeah, I totally agree. I do actually feel a little like like one of the things I wonder is I think in whenever whatever week it was, week two or week three when Raven Green went down, I said that that might be the most important injury that the offense or the defense could could suffer. And that I might still actually stand by that and that that was kind of an, a very important loss for the team. Yeah, I won't I won't argue with you there. It was very clear. Uh, immediately after that happened that they needed to, that Patton needed to uh, adjust the game plan going forward. And um, yeah, I think he was like a sneaky, a sneaky, valuable player, especially in his versatility. That's hard to replace with any one other player. Yeah. All right, that's it for Note Nugs. Again, uh, thank you for sending yours in at the APC pod on Twitter, hashtag Note Nugs after every game. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will dip into the listener mailbag and answer your burning queries. Get that checked out. <laughs> oh, you got a bad case of the burning queries. <laughs> uh, some, uh, have some abortion call me in the morning. Yeah, man. got mail all right 
right, we are back and we are dipping into the listener mailbag at the APC pod on Twitter or the APC podcast at gmail.com, which is where this email comes in from Ted. Uh, full disclosure, he sent this immediately after the 49ers game and I wanted to get to it. Uh, but we did not do a show last week. But he says, hey, guys, is it me or did the 49ers defense show how the Packers should build a defense? The Niners line can defend the run and and rush the passer at a high level. While the Packers have a solid pass rush from the Smith brothers. Never miss an opportunity to play the Smiths drop. Nor should um, you. Yeah. Uh, but they can't stop the run to save their lives. The 49ers looked like a Super Bowl caliber team, while the Packers look like they will have trouble winning a playoff game, let alone make it to a Super Bowl. While I don't think we should dwell on how this relates to 49ers versus the Packers, I did want to sort of use this as a springboard for a little bit of a conversation about how happy we are with the defense in general. Now, he points out, um, Ted points out, how good the 49ers defense is, the various ways in which they are good and how the Packers should be building their defense in the same way. To that, I would kind of say they are like a historic, they're on a, they're on pace to be a historic defense. Everyone should be, you know, uh, everyone is basically drooling at their defense and, and wants to copy it in, in some way. But uh, that said, I think his points are valid. And, and Ben, you mentioned Mike Patton and Twitter and the confluence of those two, uh, those two spaces a little bit earlier today. So, um, so I wanted to use this question again to sort of, uh, as a springboard to talk about the defense in general and, and Ben, uh, where are you on sort of the fire Patton spectrum based on the defense that we've seen so far? Because, Full disclosure, um, while I put on a very uh, reasonable, rational face for the show here uh, on the podcast, um, I I did have a moment, Ben, in our text thread during the game where I think I said something like, you guys, fi- fire Patton. I think he needs to go. And and again, I've, I've taken a nap. Uh, you know, I've thought about it. Cooler heads have, have prevailed. But um, I think it's an interesting question. Where on that spectrum are you? I'm on the... I should say not right now, but like, let's say it's the end of the season. Oh, well, that's what I... I, So what I was going to say is that if I'm Mike Patton, or I guess more importantly, if I'm I'm Mark Murphy, I look at the remaining rest of the season as kind of where, where the season will be decided from the perspective of, of Mike Patton's employment with the team. If they look like the defense that we saw in the first couple of weeks, I stick with them. And if they look like the defense that I've seen in the last couple of weeks, I might look around and see if there's a good opportunity to move on. One thing I will say is that I don't think that all of the goodwill that the defense was kind of espousing towards him, and not not even just the defense. I think Aaron Rodgers was 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 espousing towards him. Oh, yeah. We have a defense now, quote unquote. Um, yeah, well, and, and and also, I mean, it's it's clear. I mean, not to be a body language Kremlinologist, but um, you know, Rogers and Patton seem to like each other. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think he is someone who's genuinely liked within the organization. But I think if there's anything this season has taught me, it's that the window is getting smaller, not bigger, for this team yeah. to win. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a put up or shut up kind of kind of team is the more the more I watch Rodgers the more I think that you know we're clearly on the down slope which isn't really a knock on him it's just life and you know the Patriots are going to be a Super Bowl contender because they can 
build around Tom Brady, like not because of Tom Brady. And whether or not that's always been the case is like, you know, a topic for a different day. But that defense is just, you know, incredible. And, you know, with all, I like, I, I think I'm sympathetic to the one more draft class, one more year to implement the system. But they've been largely injury free. Yeah, to that to that point, as a rebuttal, I would say you know there's there is a lot of draft capital on that side of the ball, and then bringing in the the Smiths again. Uh, by the way, we didn't give uh, our disclaimer that though Ben, you and I love the Smiths, we do not support uh, Morrissey's politics. Uh, but bringing in the Smiths, uh, Adrian Amos, like more, there's been this influx of talent that we haven't seen in a long time on the defense, and and still. Still, it seems to be a very, a very bendy, occasionally breaky defense, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just feel like, I feel like really like what I said earlier in that, you know, it's going to come down to these last few weeks of the season in the playoffs. It's like if they can get their act together, great. And if they can't, uh-oh. Yeah. Well, so you, you you mentioned that the window is closing, and I and I think I don't want to read too much into what you're saying, but I think maybe what you mean by that is over the past, you know, two years ago we're doing this podcast and there's defensive struggles, and we might think, eh, let's be patient, you know, steady as she goes. It makes sense to uh, to not to not rock the boat. It's a steady organization, and let's change slowly. And now now as we see that window closing, and we've got some talent and we've got Aaron Rodgers in his, you know, approaching his twilight, maybe you're thinking, okay, now is the time where maybe you only have one or two years to prove that you can do the job. Yeah. I mean, whether or not that, you know, how you entice kind of a top talent into that, I'm not totally sure. Ron Rivera just got fired today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he put together some good defenses. Breaking news. Yeah. He, he put together some good defenses. He did. He did. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I honestly don't know what what the answer there is i mean i i really do i i really do see it as almost like you know the first half of the season was a positive the second half has been somewhat of a negative for the defense and you know it's it's like it's like that classic stupid you know hockey phrase in an interview where it's like a tie game going into the third it's like well it's zero zero it's like that's kind of how i feel about it <laughs> yeah all right moving on joe at work tweets in with a question uh he says he asks is Kevin King good? That's it. That's the question. <laughs> ben, you're shaking your head. I, Do you have an answer for me? <laughs> no, I'm not shaking my head because I don't think it's... I mean, okay, he's not good. Like, that doesn't mean he's bad, but he's not good at the moment. Yeah. Good is not ball hawking. Good is not turnover production. Like, that's an element of good, but consistency yeah. is a huge element of good. And right. uh, consistency is not the strong suit at the moment. I mean, he's getting picked on like crazy. I think, you know, the uh, the play in the 49ers game that got everybody really pissed off was only somewhat on him, probably. That said, Jair Alexander is good. Kevin King is not Jair Alexander. Ergo, Kevin King is not good <laughs> at the moment. Some uh, logic 101 from our own our own philosopher. But I do I do think that that Adrian Amos uh and and Savage are good and I think that Jair is good and I think that you know the the makings of a good secondary are there. That brings me back to the to the to the Petten question though because if you have that many components in your secondary that you would consider good, you should be better overall, right? Or no? 
yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we don't know anything. I do. You know what I do think is really the weakness is, in, and we knew this was the weakness coming into the season, but I still think it's like an, a notable weakness is the mediocrity of the inside linebackers. Yeah. Uh, and, and to that point, uh, our old buddy Oren Burks is, uh, I, I, I actually don't even understand why he's still on the team in terms of what, what they're using him for. Cause it seems like he's up, uh, he's dressed on game day and, uh, he just doesn't get on the field until like maybe the last series or two when a game is in the bag. And, and, um, you know, that was a guy they were counting on to, to uh, come back from that injury and and be someone who could uh, cover the pass in the middle of the field. And so far, he hasn't delivered. I don't want to be too hard on him because no one else has delivered either. But uh, to your point, yeah, there's a there's a big old uh, vacancy sign in the middle of the field there, and it's just, it's just killing this defense, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's move on to the offensive side of the ball. Ryan tweets in, should the Packers move to an up-tempo five-yard-per-play route structure. We lack offensive consistency, and the offensive line is struggling with blocking for more than three seconds. Seems like it would be smart to apply the Brady-Rivers-Carr routine. Um, My only comment to that, Ben, before I I throw this question over to you, is that um, there aren't a ton of O-lines that block for more than three seconds uh, on a pass play super successfully. That's that's like how long a play... How long a play should take? I feel like we have this conversation every year in one guys or another. Is like, shouldn't we move to Rogers doing three to five step drops and just hitting, yeah. you know, the hot route, whatever? You know, the old like, dink and dunk convo. Yeah, um, I'm not against that. I don't think that that actually plays to any of the wide receivers' strengths at the moment, which might kind of be the issue. And by any, I mean the good ones, Lazard and and Adams. You know, Adams has great get off the line. But like, actually, some of the plays where the offenses look the worst are those kind of short yardage. Totally, and, totally. And I, I don't. A lot of times, that seems to be Rogers missing throws. I don't think that that is necessarily the cure for what ails the offense, if indeed something is ailing the offense. Last question we got in from PJ. He asks, "Is the game against the DC Slurs a trap game?" First of all. <laughs> Uh, appreciate the usage of the DC slurs because they should change their name. Also, Kansas City should change their name while we were on the topic. They should also change their colors, man. Those McDonald's yeah. things always make me want to puke. Yeah, they're a little, they're gross. They're gross. But uh, I don't know, Ben, what your feelings are on the uh, on the concept of trap games, but do you feel at all like a game against Washington is a trap game for this Packers team? I mean, I think any game is a trap game for this Packers team. Like Damn straight. Like I don't, I don't see a team that necessarily I can expect to dominate and has no reason to lose. I think the Washington Slurs are an eminently beatable team, but I also think that I don't take that for granted. Yeah. So I guess that makes it a trap game. But I think any of the games from here on out are are potential trap games. Just in that the Packers should win, could easily not win. <laughs> just like I mean I think I think I said this in like the second third of the season heading into the second third of the season was that I could see the Packers losing all four of those games and not feeling bad about the team I sort of feel like I could see the Packers winning all five of the remaining games how many and <laughs> not feeling great yeah and or four of the games and, and just being like Meh. like yeah I mean, and also, I guess also to that point, like I'm not sure how bad I feel if they necessarily lose one of them or two of them. I mean, obviously the Vikings game is kind of a throw up 
if they win all these games, I don't necessarily feel great about this team. If they lose them all, I probably feel pretty bad about this team. I mean, I guess I guess what I want to see is a more consistent performance against the slurs than I did against the Giants. Yeah, yeah. And again, the final score, 31 to 13 against the Giants, I think, and I tweeted about this, um, that really did make it seem like a blowout from whistle to whistle. But uh, going into ha- the half, I think it was 17 to 10. It was for I think a it was long 17, time. 17, it was 17, 13. Oh, you're right. 17, 13. It was, it was for much of that game, for a, a, for a, a game that I thought they were going to win by, by 25 points going away or 30 points, um, it was re- it was too close for comfort, and again, I realize I said that it sounds a little bit you know entitled town, but um, but uh, I-, I wanted to feel I wanted to see more of a grind a bad team into dust uh, yeah. in this game than I did, and and maybe we'll see it against Washington, but uh, I don't well, know. Th- I I just I most teams aren't going to give you the ball as easily as the Giants gave us the ball uh, the other day. And and yeah, some of those picks were gimmies. Yeah, and I think yeah, it's great turnover production. Good, not gonna kick it out of bed, but <laughs> you know, it should not be the 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 live by the sword, die by the sword kind of thing. I mean, I you know, do that against a good offense, and I will feel better about it. Agreed. Luckily, we don't see any good offenses for the rest of the year uh, until the Vikings really. Yep, but uh, as you noted, that may make it hard to understand our feelings uh, coming out of each of these games. And um, speaking of feelings, I feel like doing some polka. I think that is the end of the show. As Ben, you go off camera, I see you eating some more of that fool. You have to spell that for me. F-O-U-L. F-O-U-L. Yep. Wow. All right. There you go. That's going to do it for us here on the APC podcast. Ben Foldy at Ben Foldy on Twitter. Dialing it in there from Detroit, Michigan. I am at Zach Rapport on Twitter. Quickly before we go, going to get an update on the APC podcast listener Pick'em League after, what is it, 13? After, after a bunch of weeks. First place, Chris Hurdle, Justin Demetz, Lauren Summer, Simon Hardy, Sean Williams, Zach Rapport, who's that guy? Hey, sixth place. All right. Kyle Clifton, Gage, Bridgeford, Matthew Soik, and uh, one time tied for winning Victor Alvis in 10th place. Our fearless leader, Evan Tex Western, dropping out of the top 10 to 13th place. But uh, I'm sure he will climb back in. Shrewd navigator that he is. All right. So uh, that'll do it for this week's show. Going to be playing the, uh, the racial slurs. Uh, this weekend, and hopefully the Packers can come out with a resounding win. We shall see. And then we'll be back next week to talk about, eh, you know, how we feel or don't feel. You know, uh, you know, we'll talk about our feelings. We'll talk about our feelings. Ben smirking because I'm just, just tanking here at the end of the no, show. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, guys. See you later. <laughs> uh, feelings.